0: So a couple of days ago, Reed, I forwarded to you an interesting LinkedIn profile that I thought was really spot on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This person who listed a couple of job descriptions on his LinkedIn profile that were just hilarious.
1: I thought about updating my LinkedIn profile as well. He took the point of view of uh, he had a role within a bunch of major technology companies because he felt like, I guess, he was providing uh, value to those brands, maybe.
0: is that what you Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, with Facebook, he was an advertising target from July of 2004 till present. One of the call outs was he was consistently retargeted by Fortune 500 brands such as Samsung, Procter Gamble and Verizon.
1: Yeah, there you go. Or that he was was he a genius for Apple, you know, because he was like providing tech support for his family or something
0: like that. An account manager at Netflix, because he was responsible for managing and paying for an account that's shared by five globally distributed family members. So good. But if you had to add a new job title to your LinkedIn profile, based on his inspiration, what would you add?
1: I could say customer support for Amazon as I take orders from multiple family members. Maybe I'm the director of logistics or head of fulfillment. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast
2: dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us.
1: Now here are your hosts. Welcome one and all to Touchpoint. You are listening to episode number two hundred ninety-five. That is Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith.
0: Hey, Reed. I'm just fulfilling my new job title, which is manager of smart home appliance products, by telling my Alexa device to stop talking to me while I'm recording.
1: <laughs> yeah, director of automation or something. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Touchpoint. Um, we are. Just within weeks, you know, a month or so, I guess, of uh, the odometer rolling over to 300. Wow. 300 episodes. That's, that's a lot. A lot to think about. We have talked about a lot of topics and we've got another good one today. But before we do, just a quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. Many of you, and we are thankful for that, have made it over to the site. And probably multiple uh, times have made it over to the site. But also, uh, while you were there, you signed up for the TPS report. If you haven't, uh, let me tell you about that. It's a weekly email, five articles to start your week, comes out at the beginning of each week. And uh, really, that's all it is, just a a few links to some industry articles you may find interesting. And we would love for you to sign up and get on that list. That's really, uh, that's seriously all we'll ever use your email address for. Uh, reach out to us, certainly LinkedIn, Twitter, all that kind of fun stuff. Rate, review, subscribe, all the things we're supposed to say uh, to get you to do. But uh, we, we do really do appreciate that support. So we'll pause here for a second. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. Uh, we'll pause and uh, let you go do that or uh, make a note and then uh, be back with today's show.
0: and build a reputation that performs for you. Today's topic is one that is, I guess I would call it somewhat new. Be surprised, we're nearing our 300th episode, and we're actually bringing up a new topic or a new term as part of our lexicon in the Touchpoint universe, and that's the Digital Healthcare ecosystem. Or DHE, or if you want to pronounce it, D. DHE.
1: Are <laughs> they the ones that drive the yellow trucks? That
0: who- <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the competitor of uh, UPS and FedEx right. is the DHE. Right. No, that's DHL, I think. But um, yeah, the digital healthcare ecosystem. Have you heard this term before? I want to say that I have. I, you know, I can't swear to it, but
1: it sounds like something I've heard before.
0: Well, when we dig into it today, I think a lot of us listening in will be saying, wait a second, I think we've actually talked about elements of this, if not this very concept. And we actually have a really great interview later on in the show with a good friend of the, of the pod, Mitch Holdwick. Um, but before we get there, let's you and I talk about this topic of the digital healthcare ecosystem.
1: Let's do it. Uh, let's jump into this first article, tigahealth.com is where it comes from. Uh, And it is simply titled, What is Digital Health Ecosystem? I think this will give us a second to kind of level set on some of these things, which is is great. And then we can kind of talk into some of the value of it.
0: So they begin by defining it, which I think is a really helpful definition. The digital healthcare ecosystem, they say, is an infrastructure that supports the transformation of an organizational-centered healthcare model into a patient-centered model.
1: Is is action? So it's the transformation of.
0: Well, it's it's the infrastructure that supports the transformation of, of moving us from organizational centric to patient centered. What we've been waiting for this for a long time, Reed. But haven't we had this to some degree? We probably didn't
1: call it this, right? But we've had parts and pieces of this, certainly. They talk in here further about the main purpose of the system is is simply to deliver multidisciplinary and collaborative health services. Back to your first point, you know, they kind of doubled down and and say that for, you know, a long time or, you know, probably historically up till now, we were very organizational centered. You know, health institutions were located and the center and patients had to adapt to that system. And I would say you in the experiences that we have and that we build and we do, we we still do this or find ourselves doing this. You know, you can think about scheduling, right? Or physician directories and scheduling and kind of that kind of piece. If you just take that one thing. The way we build that and the way we display that information is what makes sense to us. It's not necessarily like, and I'm not saying no one's ever done this, but typically we're not out having focus groups and trying to figure out how to build these experiences that make the most sense to the consumer. We just kind of sit on our organizational side of the fence and, um, you know, deliver experiences that we we assume are going to make sense. And some of them do and some of them don't. But, but yes, it's it, that mindset.
0: There has been this advancement of technology, of digital adoption, of various different digitization of health services that is allowing us to now develop this infrastructure, this ecosystem, so to speak, of patient-centered approaches to creating an environment. And When we think about all of those different digital health services, what we're talking about, this ecosystem will allow us to design and improve interoperability so that not only can patients connect the dots and make it easier for their on-demand scheduling, for example, but also healthcare professionals can communicate among themselves as well and share records. So there's kind of a, a dual pronged approach. The more we centered around the consumer, we also are going to ensure that we're digitizing the backend workflows so that we're working together. And I think in short, that's kind of what this concept of a digital healthcare ecosystem is.
1: All right. So knowing what it is, um, why do we care, right? Why is it important? I mean, I think some of it's very logical, right? For those, especially folks that are already kind of in that thought process of wanting to move to more of a, a, you know, a patient or a consumer-centric model. But they talk in here about, you know, developing patient-centered ecosystems means that the health system can not only provide treatment when patients are sick, but they also support them in their wellness and preventative efforts.
0: Ooh. Okay. So I like that, right? Now we're getting past just that care encounter. We're getting into things that allow us to kind of help them manage their wellness including like social determinants of health like you know the physical mental spiritual influences on the patient this is an interesting concept
1: this is where i guess it's really hard to you know continue to define exactly what it is that we do on a daily basis right because you start getting into social determinants of health and that's takes into account a lot of parts of the organization and how they communicate and interact with patients and you know what it means and that kind of stuff. So I think that's where the idea of what our departments do is organization focused, right? So again that's back to this idea of flipping the focus back around to the consumer and, and not worried as much about, you know, how does that fit within our organizational charts?
0: But, you know, we've been talking a lot about how healthcare is changing too, right? Healthcare is coming out of our four walls of our hospitals into the community, even like things like at-home care, home recovery, chronic management, remote patient monitoring. All of these things are kind of like this larger evolution of trying to provide care at all aspects of your life as appropriate. And so when we talk about this digital healthcare ecosystem, I think there's a broader importance here around this, right? To ensure that we sustain advanced quality health services economically, even combat inappropriate health costs and health equity, really, in our communities.
1: So the the, the impact of all of this is, is interesting. You, know, you mentioned remote patient monitoring, kind of hospital at home, and some of those, you know, kind of involvement of care, you know, outside the walls or in the ambulatory space. And it's a lot of what what I'm focused on and kind of looking at, and it's, it's interesting to think about, you know, how we'll see this space evolve over the next, you know, especially 10 years. Uh, it's probably, you know, the hospital is probably going to look very different, uh, or I know it will, to like my kids than it, than it has to me up to this point. And it's all about kind of that consumer-focused
0: piece so the article kind of outlines the effects of technology on healthcare practices today. More than 40% of Internet of Things technologies are going to be related to the field of health.
1: Isn't that wild? So uh, I, you know, I, IoT or Internet of Things, I mean, this is like devices and technology that is, you know, connected to the Internet, right? So we're seeing more and more of that. And, and as you might imagine, the remote patient monitoring and hospital at home piece, even virtual sitting things Like that, that we've been doing for a little while, um, you know, telehealth, etc. Like, I mean, it's pretty clear they have to be connected to the internet to be valuable. So, but for overall, as a category, getting close to half of what's out there being health uh, related, that's that's pretty fascinating. It goes on to talk about, you know, how technology has affected healthcare practices in terms of you know, patients in healthcare institutions. Uh, they call out a few things here. So, first. Uh, easier access to treatment. You know, one of the biggest benefits, and we've seen this certainly, and we've beat this into the ground over the last few years, but you know, telehealth, you know, the pandemic really accelerated it, of course, but again, the access to treatment. So not just the caring counter, but they call out things like e-pharmacy applications, you know, appointment reminders, things like that. But actually being able to get scripts filled and actually have that point of care just makes it so much, so much easier.
0: Yeah another thing they call out too is the the efficiency of treatments has improved dramatically by developing an, an this digital healthcare ecosystem you can create an environment where you could share health information securely among not only the patients but with within the care settings as well so doctors and nurses could save critical patient data and share in real time with others labs can share lab results x-rays critical data etc And robotic technology is part of this digital healthcare ecosystem and that can allow for surgical treatment. They say that while only 1.8% of surgeries were robot assisted in 2012, we're now like kind of operating well above 15%. All of these things are around treatment efficiency and that totally makes sense. I remember five, 10 years ago, if you go get lab work done, you'd get it, the lab results back you know, maybe four or five days later. Now, I just recently had some lab work done. And while I was in my car driving home, I got a text message with the results.
1: Absolutely. And then finally, um, it talks about the improvements uh, around quality. They say special software programs used in healthcare service sectors make it possible to access the necessary information much more easily, kind of like what you're talking about, right? And it enables, you know, healthcare professionals to effectively detect and follow uh, the patient's disease and other you know best treatments for patients um, and additionally you know it can play a key role in, in the way that we do our our work i mean because i even think about you know we think about telehealth as it relates to a care encounter but you know as it changes the way we do our work like virtual nursing you know is something that we're starting to pilot where you know, maybe nurses can you know, do intakes and med rec and hourly rounding and discharge planning and some of those things that they don't physically have to be there to, to accomplish. So how can we combat some of the things that we're seeing around shortages of, of staff and burnout and things like that, reimagining what some of these roles may be based on technology?
0: As this article is really great. And they actually have a little, lot more information about some evolving opportunities. And so we're going to link to this in the show notes. Be sure to click through and read a little bit more. But read, why don't we take a pause here? And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the power of what a digital healthcare ecosystem is. And we have an interesting article from Deloitte that kind of outlines some of those characteristics. We'll, we'll go into that right after this break. Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media.
1: All right, Chris, well, now that we know what it is, um, now that we have defined a digital healthcare ecosystem and, and kind of the way to think about that, let's dive into this, this next article. So this is from our friends, I'm using air quotes, <laughs> over at Deloitte, and it's, it's called the, the Power of Digital Healthcare Ecosystems. And so now, you know, we really kind of get into the, you know, the potential and where we see this uh, potentially going.
0: And no surprise, right? The pandemic has kind of allowed for us to see huge opportunities where an ecosystem can really take hold and help to improve and transform our industry. And it's not lost on me. I really like to say the word ecosystem. It just makes it feel like we're part of like a diorama in like a nature museum. Yeah our work, our focus traditionally has really been around digital marketing and how digital marketing can help impact all of this. Well, we're one element of this larger ecosystem, so there's sort of a sense of belongingness here. Needless to say, Deloitte calls out that Digital health products and services are at a pivotal moment now. They say that in the first phase of digital health, companies focused on like evidence generation and user adoption. Think about like when patient portals were first coming around or even initially telemedicine, right? It's just about let's put it out there. Let's test it. Let's show that it works. Let's get, you know, and get more people to use it. In the second phase, the focus shifted to increasing adoption among employers and payers. So employers and payers were the first to really embrace digital health solutions to try to manage their costs, ensuring that their employees were productive and, and they weren't taking too much time off for illnesses. And payers were focused on cost containment issues, right? They wanted they talk about member lo- membership lives, et cetera. Now they say today, payer adoption of virtual first providers has differentiated the winners as virtual-first providers become ubiquitous, meaning everybody's now offering virtual-first solutions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's an interesting dynamic of the industry. But there's also this dynamic about the consumer, right? Right. They talk
1: in here about the, the newly empowered consumer, I don't know if that's just because it's now there's an opportunity. I think they've always been empowered. There just weren't the triggers to pull right, like that you just, you couldn't do certain things. But they're f- talking about the emergence of the newly empowered consumer combined with the development of radically they call it interoperable data sets on open and secure platforms, and the regulated development in healthcare will define the future of health. So that's a lot of words right there. <laughs> But specifically, they say that many healthcare organizations now realize the power and force of purpose-driven ecosystems and how platforms can catalyze the creation of these new business models.
0: It sounds like very much an article Deloitte wrote, right? But breaking that apart, it's really like, okay, so now we have this unique nexus of our industry and the consumers are driving transformation, So this is the true potential of these ecosystems and the platforms. Not only has COVID kind of accelerated digital transformation because of the adoption, social distancing and other things that made it so that we embrace digital health as a way to engage with our care, but also lines are converging between consumer, retail, technology, and healthcare. I know we were talking about it prior to the pandemic. It's hard to remember what happened prior to the pandemic, honestly, but we were talking about, like, there's these disruptive entrants into the marketplace. Now, new entrants and incumbent organizations are reacting to disruption by doubling down on consumer-focused solutions.
1: I do feel like there is some doubling down. It's going to be hard to kind of think about, well, now, what does that mean for these consumer solutions, right, and the expectation they're in?
0: Deloitte kind of is great because they, they understand the industry, how it's been going. And they say, traditionally, our organizations have used M&A as a way to expand to new services, right? vertical or horizontal. Right. But now what we're doing is we're turning to and creating healthcare ecosystems to acquire capabilities. Think about healthcare incumbents are uniquely placed to lead transition to ecosystems and capture new value because... They understand the patient, which they're now kind of saying now the consumer. In fact, Deloitte says that the patient is now the consumer. Because of their relationship with the patient, they have these incumbents can partner with these disruptors to create these new models that encompass these complex relationships and accelerate the shape of these ecosystems to get more buy-in, to get more alignment.
1: I think M&A will still continue to be a thing. You you see a proven model or or a business or something, you know, I I especially think about hospitals and hospital systems as they consider the ambulatory space. You're going to go out and probably buy something versus build something, whether that's like an urgent care deal or some sort of telehealth company or behavioral health, you know, component. If you don't do behavioral health, you kind of go, you go buy that service line, so to speak. But it's interesting to think about now that we've got, you know, the definition of kind of these these healthcare ecosystems in play, you know, what does that mean for hospital systems going forward?
0: Well, with this greater focus on the consumer and developing these consumer-focused healthcare ecosystems, you know, as what we're talking about here, this has done some tremendous things, as Deloitte points out, to identify our current system's limitations as well as opportunities. Mm. We obviously clearly have limitations. We're siloed. We're very much organizationally driven digital health solutions, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, right? All of these things are kind of limitations. So we as incumbents need to understand how to partner with these new disruptors that are coming into the, into the space, and the reason why is these new disruptors traditionally have the ability to provide the best consumer experience. How can health systems deliver care by coordinating the care across multiple different patient types and physician types? When we talk about like simple care, post acute care, even home health, we have an opportunity here to kind of convene and set up this this I guess a vision for what a healthcare ecosystem could be.
1: They've got an interesting call out here too that, you know, health, healthcare I guess is a is an industry or a vertical or whatever traditionally at least has more expertise in coordinating uh, the interest of diverse players. However, they say while the groundwork for healthcare ecosystems exist, many healthcare players lack the digital platform to facilitate more interactions at scale and grow their business.
0: Yeah, I I see that in my health system a lot. Right, it's like it feels like there's a sort of a limit as to how much we can transform. Mm-hmm. Right, and I guess that I guess that's the point here of what Deloitte is trying to say, right? I mean, if we look at the future as a seamless healthcare experience as delivered digitally and in person, we need to look at leveraging capabilities beyond our core capabilities. This kind of calls out a new generation of ecosystems powered by digital platforms as rapidly emerging in our industry.
1: It's interesting as we look at they're talking here about, you know, responding to to innovations, you know, and and, and things like that. I think again if if we look at it through the lens of the consumer Um, you know, some of the prioritization, at least, don't you think, is driven by what we're seeing
0: the need or kind of where the push from the consumer is coming from? I think so, Reed. But I also think that sometimes the consumer only knows so much. Was it Henry Ford that said, if you ask the customer what they want, they want a faster horse?
1: Yeah, it's at least attributed to him.
0: We as healthcare systems have an opportunity to kind of see where those opportunities are. We may not know the best way to provide consumerism, but that's okay. We by partnering with some disruptors that understand consumerism, that potentially can move us towards this future state. At least that's my optimistic view of this. Maybe I'm wearing rose-colored glasses though. I don't know. I think as long as we're
1: kind of pressure testing that back against the desire, you know, in the market, right? So it's almost like you know we're not looking for all the ideas we're just looking to prioritize the ideas you know
0: thing you know yeah really interesting so um, again we have a link to this Deloitte article that has a really great PDF that you could download interesting read about some of the things they found they they outline a lot of different opportunities in it and they even you know have some really great charts that you could share with others as you're talking through this at your organization, including you know characteristics of what an ecosystem disruption would look like. Let's take a pause here, Reed. We'll come back and after the break, I'm gonna sit down with Mitch Holdwick and talk about his perspective on the digital healthcare ecosystem and some of the stuff that he's doing at Deliver Health, and with his background knowledge, working in health systems like you and I do, and how that plays into how he sees the future coming. So we'll do that right after this brief pause.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, if. only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news,
0: Welcome back to the Ask the Expert segment of the podcast, and today I think this is going to be a first. We're going to have someone on our Ask the Expert segment that actually was one of our top fans early on in the Touchpoint podcast timeline, and that's our good friend Mitch Holdwick. Mitch, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Chris, and uh, I got to tell you, you're right, that is unique (laughs) that I was number two fan of the year, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And I got to be honest, I'm having a little bit of this nervous excitement right now because I am a fanboy. I'm a huge fan. I've always loved uh, what you and Reed do. And you provide such a great platform for thought leaders to speak on topics, but also for your listeners to have an environment and a place to go to, to Kind of get caught up on what's going on in the industry, and I've been a long time listener. I remember the 100th episode, and I believe, depending <laughs> on when folks are going to hear this, we're on the you're on the cusp of number 300, which is just incredible. So kudos to y'all, and thank you so much for having me on.
0: Hey, well, you're welcome, and I'm really excited to have you here now as an expert. And, you know, and, and it might require a little bit of an overview for our audience members because they may know you as an, as a fan as well, but now you're in a different role. And so, Mitch, why don't we, before we jump into our today's topic, why don't you share a little bit about your background, what you have been doing, and what you're doing today? Sure, happy to do that.
2: So I've spent almost my entire career in the hospital and health system side, just over 13 years. Uh, working primarily in uh, digital marketing. Demand gen was a big focus for me during my time on that side of the uh, of the world, so to speak. I was very fortunate to spend the last two years in more of a consumer engagement role, actually getting thrust into some operations and call center, contact center support uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, which was humbling to say the least, but really helped me kind of Get a better well-rounded perspective of, of what's happening from a consumer engagement perspective and, and allowed me to uh, pivot into the role I'm in now working for a company called Deliver Health mm-hmm. um, where we focus on it's a software and services company with a real aim on bridging the mid-revenue cycle into digital health into a more cohesive experience for the clients and customers that we serve so it was a, it's a big leap for me, and I joined at Deliver Health just about a year ago, almost a year ago now, and it's allowing me to kind of take all the knowledge that I learned in the hospital and health system world and hopefully help our existing uh, partners and clients do some of the same work across the industry. So it, it's a its a big change, but it's uh, something that I really enjoy.
0: What I love about that, Mitch, is that you have a background that's very similar to mine, right? You've been on both sides of the... exactly. Table, I guess is the way to say yeah. that, right? So, and that is a really unique perspective that is very helpful when we start to talk about digital health, and in this particular case, the digital health ecosystem. Let's start off with uh, kind of addressing that. So, when when we talk about the digital health ecosystem, how do you define that, Mitch, from your perspective?
2: Well, you know, I think it's it's something we've we've really within our, our work as we start to. To dive into digital health, you know, we're hearing that so often now there's this kind of undeniable momentum around digital health. Uh, you know, studies have shown uh, it could elevate to a $33 billion, with a B dollar industry by 2027. So there's just so much momentum and activity going on. And, and what we're, we're finding is that the notion and the idea of ecosystems really kind of anchors all of us into this. And that really is. The definition of digital health in terms of the existing current state and, and a lot of it is it's, it's gone beyond telehealth. I think pre pandemic, we associated collectively associated digital health with telehealth. And it's really kind of elevated now to become more of a true digital activation, which encompasses access, acquisition, engagement, loyalty. Um, so it's really forcing us to work. Together to break down silos and find ways to kind of continue working at this this puzzle we call digital health, which again has gone beyond telehealth. But to your earlier point, I think it really is if we think about it in that framework of ecosystems mm-hmm.
0: that mm-hmm. helps us really kind of work together on both sides. Forgive me for struggling with this because I think Reed and I have had done a couple have done a couple shows about the digital front door. Yeah. So is the digital front door and the digital health ecosystem as you're describing, it, is it related? Is it the same thing? I mean, it's not lost on me that, you know, in this industry, we sometimes make up funny terms for things that may be the same thing. What's your perspective on that?
2: Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. And, and I, I know the, um, the digital front door is it's a part of our positioning and something we, we talk about um, quite a bit because you're, you're right. For all the reasons we've mentioned previously, in terms of the momentum around digital health, there's also this. Just everybody's talking about digital front door, and there's a million different definitions of it. So I I do see it as as a, a kind of a, a different areas. What's really critical when we think about digital front door, it's 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 more of how do we seamlessly integrate our existing. Digital health solutions into one cohesive, connected experience for our patients and community members. And I know that's really ambiguous and, and kind of broad, but that to that to me, if we were to define a digital front door, that's really what it means. That really what it what it means to me. And I think it helps us kind of stay centered on one one topic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's always helpful, right? We always come up with these terms and like ideas and strategies, but I think we're talking about in general this really is pivoting around the overall experience of patients, potential patients and other stakeholders in that care journey, right? It's like we're trying to create a great experience. But, you know, you you mentioned an interesting stat that sixty three percent of patients will leave their existing provider for one who offers a better holistic digital experience. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, it is. It really is, and it's it's almost like there. It's the modern consumer, right? We we you know you guys talk about this often, and I know your listeners are well aware that consumers are, are conditioned to think differently mm-hmm. and have come to not just expect, but demand convenience. And that's really what we're competing against and, and quote quote fingers, I guess, is that notion of convenience because they are conditioned to um, interact with brands differently. And, and there's that expectation of uh, a better, as you mentioned, holistic digital experience. So it's, it's an important one, one that we've certainly... About quite a bit as we work with, with partners.
0: I agree that there is a lot of, let's put it this way there's a lot of opportunity for us yes. in our industry, right? To improve this whole digital ecosystem. When we think about the digital health ecosystem, why do you think that we struggle a little bit in our industry?
2: I think a lot of it, and, and again, this is from you know my perspective, working within hospitals and health systems, and now um, on the other side, supporting hospitals and health systems. Inevitably, it stems from kind of this, what I would call digital health solutions chaos, where we have so many different point solutions or digital health solutions, uh, coupled with technology platforms, and oftentimes layered on top of archaic uh, uh, workflows and processes that are decades old, and it creates this just kind of overwhelming web of, of uh, different digital health solutions that were all designed with the best intentions, but we haven't, we've really struggled with how to make that all work together. How can we truly orchestrate all of those pieces so that, A, it provides a better experience for end users or healthcare professionals using the products. We we talk about, you know, physician burnout, which is again, undeniable. That is, that is a, a real issue, but I think it goes beyond just physicians and our providers. It's really healthcare professionals that are burned out. And a lot of oftentimes it stems from the, the chaos I mentioned. So I, I think we have a, an opportunity to rather than thinking about what else can we add? What else can we do? How do we start to untangle and orchestrate that existing kind of digital health solutions chaos to provide a better experience for our patients?
0: Yeah. And I, you know, having been through a couple of these digital health solutions and I know Reed is doing a lot of that in his organization right now too. I I think it's natural, right? Because we kind of evolved into this space very much, and and I don't mean this in a negative way, but kind of in a siloed approach, right? We're trying to solve like let's let's take for example online appointment scheduling. Oh well, you know our patient portal or patient portals have online appointment scheduling, so we're just going to surface that to make it easier for the for the patient, right? Of course, everyone wants online appointment scheduling, but you you can't just launch an individual tool into this ecosystem without understanding that. It, that may relate to so many other things that are going exactly. on, right? Exactly,
2: yeah, 100%. That's, that's a really good example. You know, on the surface, you know, that's a solution, like I mentioned, that was designed with the best intentions. Of course, we all want the ability for our patients and community members to be able to schedule on demand. If we don't think about how that integrates with everything else and how do we serve that up in an environment that is meets our patients' needs... It's, not, it's going to be underutilized or it's going to be difficult to truly operationalize, um, depending on how things are, are integrated on the back end. So, it, there's just so many factors that go into it. And it's really critical for us to think about it from, from all perspectives.
0: It really requires various different groups to kind of come together and say, wait a second, if we launch this like scheduling on demand, online appointment scheduling solution. How does that impact the call center? How does that impact the website? How does it impact Find a Doctor? You know, there's like, suddenly it becomes this, like, we're unpacking this trunk of a lot of different things that are going on with, like, different strategies. And then everything kind of gets impacted by this one particular point solution, if we think about it in the right way. And that becomes very difficult to accomplish, right? It's true.
2: And that's actually a good point, Chris. It made me think about you know, kind of hearkening back to my days within hospitals and health systems. And I mentioned at the beginning of today's episode about my work with with call centers. And I think that's a it's a good example of where we have to really think about our agents, our customer service reps actually performing those duties on a daily basis and the work that they do when we effectively saddle them with all of these different technologies and solutions. We have to be cognizant of how that impacts their work and allows them to do their jobs. And, I, and I'm thinking of a specific uh, situation where, when I was working in that in that space, we had inevitably, just like lots of hospitals and health systems, kind of this um, overcomplicated mix of different technologies. And when we uh, took a moment and started to remove a few pieces. You could see, and I spent a lot of time working within our call center, you could see almost instantly this kind of like lift off their shoulders that they could now perform their jobs in a more meaningful way. And sometimes it was just a matter of really focusing on the process and focusing on how we can simplify their day-to-day jobs, which ultimately allows us to serve our patients in a more meaningful way. I think a lot of that is what I'm hearing is like it's like how do we, if we really kind of go back to our our end users, end users and folks that are using these these tools and solutions on a daily basis, it helps
0: us really think through a better way to 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 help them do their jobs. This is not easy, right? What we're trying to accomplish yeah. is not easy. But we're talking about it potentially when we're looking at this this bigger th- concept of a digital health ecosystem, right? There's multi- There's going to be multiple players involved in this. There's going to be yeah. multiple people within a hospital or health system that are involved, multiple vendors. There's a lot of things that kind of potentially make this rife for for challenges and issues. Yet, I see that there's other things that are also involved in this as well. Like, for example, you indicated to me before we were talking here that, you know, there's a lot of executives that maybe have either strong confidence or alternatively, not a lot of confidence in in how we're going to approach this. What's your perspective on that?
2: Yeah, you know, we, we've heard, you know, close to 25%, um, even of executives feel very confident their selected vendor was the best choice for their unique needs. So not a point being not a lot of uh, folks feel good about their current solutions. And I think the real reason behind that is, is again, going back to this, this chaos, it's hard to feel good about something when there's just so much tech mm-hmm. that's currently in, in play. Um, it's hard to feel good about one single solution when all of it's kind of mixed together, creating this chaos. So again, I think it, it really stems from that that chaos and and, and um, the lack of integration that currently exists that creates that 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 lack of confidence, quite frankly.
0: I mean, I guess all we have to do is build the better app, right? Yeah, that's right. There's an app for that, right?
2: Just, <laughs> just, just
0: build an app. That's exactly right. Actually, that's not true, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. no I, not I, at all. And you know, I that it harkens back to you know, I remember when um, I, I've done a lot of work around uh, user experience design, and when you're in this designing sessions, oftentimes there's a there's kind of a ground rule that says, look, the solution is not an app. As much as we want it to be an app, as much as we want to think that there's one way through this, that's not the solution.
2: Yeah, I, I it's, it's. I think it's uh, that's kind of our, our knee jerk response, you know, going through the, you know, user experience or any kind of experience design exercise. It, and we, we, we've seen, you know, some some hospitals and health systems industry wide getting close to, you know, four apps that are being designed, which is. At the end of the day, more apps doesn't mean more engagement. It just means more confusion for our our patients. So I think it really forces us to think differently about how we deploy mobile apps. It's certainly critical for us to be, as we know and all of your listeners know, to adopt that mobile-first strategy in anything we do, but that doesn't necessarily mean more apps. And rather, we should challenge ourselves to think about how can we bring together all of the solutions that ultimately serve our patients in the most meaningful way into one experience. And if we kind of keep that mindset and mantra that helps guide us in the right direction versus an app for this, an app for that, that just, again, creates that confusion.
0: Well, and if you really are true, and I know you know this, uh, Mitch, if you really want to go into the annals of our podcast, actually, episode 15, we actually have this very topic about, really, it's not an app for that, right? There's not really an app for that. It's yeah. like, you have to be really, it's not, that's not the easy solution. We all want to go to that big easy button, but in this particular case, that's not it. That's right. Instead of like kind of focusing on what it isn't, let's talk about what that digital health is solution ecosystem looks like and i know you have a unique perspective on what it could look like for n- either now or in the future tell us about that yeah
2: to me it's it, it kind of goes in i've mentioned it a couple times but i think it bears repeating this idea and notion of orchestration you know what what can we do together and i think that that's an important piece too Is is really working together to orchestrate our existing ecosystem, to make processes more smooth and technology more integrated so that ultimately we have that better experience for our patients. So it's not easy work um, and it takes a lot of grit. It takes a lot of compassion and sometimes obsession, but the willingness to really orchestrate within an existing ecosystem to figure out depending on who you're working with, how can you blend our software with your software and our people with your people working together to provide a better experience rather than kind of one-off solutions or one-off additions of technology. So I think it really starts with that orchestration
0: piece. I love that term orchestration. I always think of the or the uh, the director of the orchestra, right? Yeah, the present there with a the baton, kind of like making sure that the reed section and the and the horn section and That's all right. they all play together. But it, to a certain extent, that really becomes sort of the the overall piece here, right? And I think a lot of organizations are are thinking about that now in a different way. I'm just wondering, like, when you see when now that you're well, now that you've been on both sides of the equation, what are some some tips that you can give organizations about how to orchestrate this better?
2: Yeah, I think there, there's there's two things that come to mind, Chris. One is, and this is a lot of what I learned during my last couple of years um, in the hospital and health system world, working in consumer engagement, as I mentioned, a big piece was really getting familiar with your data. What I mean by that depending on the area, and this is more of a kind of an operational angle, but I think it's really critical to, to, to keep at the forefront is being aware and transparent about how different functional areas are performing and getting access to data to understand where you need to improve, where the gaps exist um, from an acquisition perspective, from an engagement perspective, leaning on your internal resources oftentimes Hospitals and health systems will have a performance excellence team or data scientists folks that can help kind of manage that. But so that's that's my first comment is really getting familiar with with your data and specifically performance metrics around key, you know, consumer engagement areas of your hospital or health system. And then number two is that is kind of the inventory slash auditor assessment in addition to the data, just understand what all of your digital health solutions are. And you'd be surprised how beneficial that exercise would be. And working with, kind of to your point earlier, Chris, around the operational disjointedness, bring together different groups of your hospital and health system to look at all of those solutions, because oftentimes they are initiated by different groups. Marketing may have perspective and operations may have a perspective versus finance. So come together and look at all those solutions uh, together just to kind of understand what the chaos is. It's not easy to do and sometimes it's overwhelming, but until you really get that understanding of what the actual, what your actual ecosystem is, current state, that's what you need to start that untangling and start that orchestration process.
0: Mitch, this has been a really, really good conversation, right? And I think that your perspectives from, again, from being within the health system and also now at Deliver Health has really helped kind of elucidate Sort of the opportunities here, and and brought forward yet another new topic for us. Uh, I didn't think that after almost 300 episodes, we, we, Reed and I would find something new to talk about. But this whole new concept of a digital health ecosystem. Before we go, Mitch, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about Deliver Health and and ways that people can connect with you and also Deliver Health online, so that you know they can continue this conversation.
2: Yeah, well, thanks so much. And I'm so glad I was able to uncover a new topic. I, didn't I know that would be
1: the purpose. <laughs> but,
2: I mean, why not? We need lots to talk about. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Chris. So uh, uh, Deliver Health, you can obviously find us online at deliverhealth.com. I am very active on LinkedIn. I encourage you to please reach out and I'm sure we'll put a link in the, the show notes. But I always love these types of conversations, even just to to listen. We're, we're One of the things we really believe in um, at Deliver Health is to listen, to understand where the pain points exist within hospitals and health systems. So that's something I really enjoy doing. Um, so LinkedIn is a great way to get connected. I'm also on uh, Twitter at uh, MCH110 is my handle. I love to have kind of playful conversations i there as well. So those are the two best ways to get a hold of me and would love to have a conversation on how we can uh, either, either help or just have a better understanding of where your, your pain points and challenges may exist today.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, you know, I really appreciate all of these insights and and uh, everything. And I'm going to link to all of that in the show notes for sure. Thanks so much, Mitch, for all all, for the last uh, for 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 sharing your insights with us. I really appreciate you being on. And see, it just goes to show you if you listen to the Touchpoint podcast and you're the top fan you're going to become uh, an expert, right? That's right. That's right. And Chris, I am still, I'm still waiting for my trophy. Is that, is that coming? Or yeah. uh it... oh, must have got okay. lots in the mail. I'll talk to Reed about that. Perfect. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks so much, Chris. Thanks again. Appreciate everything. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible.
1: Special thanks to Mitch for coming on the show. Uh, Certainly a friend of the show, supporter of the show. has been a listener for uh, a long time, so it's always good to see him. Uh, I've gotten to actually see him a few times this year, uh, which has been great, and I just appreciate him coming on and sharing some of his knowledge. Just a quick reminder, touchpoint.health is the website. If you would go over, sign up for that. We'd love Love the support there. Certainly rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member about the show. Still the number one way people find us is when, uh, more people find us. Right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so send, send, uh, send people there. That would be, that would be super, super helpful. Uh, reach out, let us know how things are going, what we can do, what we can help with. um, and uh, also, as part of the TPS report, there are a few quick links to upcoming industry conferences. Chris, I know you'll be at Shush Med, which uh, is just uh, its days away at this point.
0: Days away. Next week. When are you are hearing this? Yeah.
1: So, uh, and then the Healthcare Internet Conference later this fall, and then certainly uh, there's a number of other things kind of going on. Uh, as well, so um, let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's do a couple of recommendations, and then we'll uh, we'll call it a week.
0: All right, Reed. I'm going to recommend a TV program that I just recently saw. It was it's streaming on Hulu. It actually premiered on FX, and now it's on Hulu. I guess it's a comedy drama TV series called The Bear. Have you heard about this? I have not. It's really good. It's about a a, a young Chef who is in the world of fine dining. He returns home to his family run business. It's an Italian beef sandwich shop in Chicago after his older brother commits suicide and basically leaves behind the restaurant to him. So he returns home, classically trained fine dining, comes into this like kind of very much over the counters sandwich shop with a group, of, with a, um, a crew there, the other chefs and pastry chefs and, and and whatever, and and basically tries to bring in this new sense of fine dining into a small sandwich shop. It's a comedy. It's a drama. It's very much on the relationship he has with his family, but also the relationship he develops with the people that are working there. They're a series of eight episodes, about a half hour long each. So you can easily binge watch this show if you have Hulu, and it's just incredible. It's what, probably one of the best TV shows I've seen in the last you know few years. The acting is is stupendous, the writing is great, and it's just it's just different. It's a completely different f- feel to the show. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, clearly, I just recently me and my wife we just binged it over a series of a couple of days. It's called The Bear, and it's on Hulu. Highly recommend it.
1: I like it. I like it. I'll have to check that out. Um, uh, Recommended TV show, but but really it's kind of up to you which TV show that is. <laughs> and that's it. No, um, no. Uh, so it's co- college football is kicking off this weekend. Pun intended. No pun intended. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, it starts this weekend as we're recording this, I should say. And so I uh, recommend that you get some burgers, maybe cook out. It's a good time of year. You know, we're starting to get close to fall and uh, weather's getting nice outside and it's, uh, it's just fun to, to have some, some football playing in the background and kind of be out uh, over the grill. So that's what I'm, uh, that's
0: what I'm recommending for the weekend. That is amazing. I like that. In fact, we're going to fire up the grill tonight. It's a great weekend. So, All
1: awesome. right. Well, uh, thanks everybody again. Uh, we certainly appreciate the support. Reach out to us. Twitter, LinkedIn is, is uh, the best way to do that. I uh, would love to uh, hear from you, uh, hear what you're, uh, what you're working on, what you'd love to hear more about. If there's something you want us to dig into a topic to cover, somebody to have on the show, things like that. So, I'm happy to always have those conversations. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.